With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's roll on Sharp Money here. I'm Jeff Parles. Happy to be with you. In for Patrick Maher today. Amal Shaw's here. Dustin Sweetelson's here. So, 66% of the usual crew in, in tow today. Tell you what, that's a pretty good number, depending on what type of business you're in baseball. We're the greatest <laughs> of all time. In most other things, you're a complete failure. Dustin, uh, Dustin, I did not have blue shirt today. Oh, you know, so this is a call back to a private uh, thing between Jeff and myself when he produced a numbers game. I would always text him that I had a bet that he was wearing his yellow polo shirt <laughs> because one one out of every four days he wore a yellow polo shirt. By the way, Patrick's not here. Everyone tweet congratulations at the rap radio on Twitter. He's on paternity leave for the next month. Congrats to Patrick on becoming a father. That's why he will not be here for the month of July. Is that the, is that the cover, Dustin? No, it's just going to change every day. Every day we're going to have a new reason <laughs> oh, okay. why Patrick's not here. Okay, all right, good, good, good enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, with Patrick, uh, we'll, we'll see Patrick in August. We'll see him in August uh, as, as we go along. Amal, this was the opening weekend now of NBA free agency. Yep. And I would argue the two biggest stories were had nothing to do with actual free agency. There were two players who requested out. One of them was James Harden. The other one is Damian Lillard. And let's start with Lillard because, Amal, we know the request has been put in to go to South Beach and play for the Heat. If you're the Blazers, you can't look your fan base in their eyes and say, we did right by you by trading Damian Lillard to Miami for a bag of popcorn and some cotton candy, which would be basically what the package would have to be coming back from Miami if it were a trade between the Blazers and the Heat for Lillard going to Miami. I would agree with you there. The biggest mistake I think that people look at is they say loyalty or lack thereof. Look, these players are being paid. The team is benefiting from the player as well. I think it's a two-way street. It's an equal partnership. Uh, If you're the Portland Trail Blazers, you make a decision that is in the best interest of your organization and your fan base. If you can move Damian Lillard to a place that would provide you returnable, I mean, good quality assets in return, then you make that move. But at the end of the day, you've got to worry about what affects the Blazers. You're not worried about what Damian Lillard's concerned with. Yes, if all things being equal, you can do it. You try to accommodate, but that's not the goal here. 
what is the right spot? Because it's a weird time to be doing a deal. You're post-draft now. Usually a bigger deal like this could get done pre-draft. Draft picks can go back. Uh, but now, I mean, Amal, it really is kind of a, a, a scenario here where teams like Utah, San Antonio are the teams that could put together better packages, but you have a hard time seeing Lillard signing off on that. So it's really either one or the other here. You either make the player happy or you make your franchise happy, and you have to lean towards the second thing, like you said, if you're Portland. I would take out lean towards. I think it's imperative. That's exactly what you do. I, I don't understand this acquiescing. It's not like Damian Lillard has been playing for free. That, that's the one thing that I, I never understand in sports. They go, you have to make decisions that are prudent for your team. You know, That's why I said Bob Myers might have made the greatest business decision in the history of the NBA. He got out before somebody had to pay Draymond Green a four-year, $100 million deal, and before somebody else pays Clay Thompson on that staff from the Warriors overpays him. Draymond Green should have never gotten four years and $100 million, and Clay Thompson's going to end up getting a comparable contract. And Bob Myers is like, look, we're not going to be able to win at this point in time. I want to move out, and I'm going to take a year away from basketball, find myself in a position to find the best available position, and go from there, and he's going to get a king's ransom. To me, Portland's in a situation where, look, they would love to make a move that gets them a good return on Damian Lillard. But remember, Lillard turns, I think, what, uh, Dustin, 34 in uh, August? 33? L Lillard's 33 in like a week. Oh, 33 in a week. Okay. Look, he's still a tremendous talent. But again, you're still trading an aging player for some pieces in return. Jeff, you alluded to it. If you don't make this move before the draft, what are you really doing at this point in time? All the pieces on the board have already been moved. Now you're hoping somebody's willing to give up a rookie and then take on Damian Lillard's salary, which is astronomical. $45 million this year is a cap hit. I mean, that's a high number. And then you still look at the fact that uh, next year, or excuse me, the following year, he's on the books for $48 million. You know, the, the team that I think is most, most interesting in this mix actually coincides with the other request with Harden. The one team that makes sense would be Philadelphia. But in order for them to pull off a deal like that, they have to trade Harden to the Clippers or or wherever else Harden may end up getting dealt in order to pull off a deal like that, which makes this whole situation really convoluted when you're looking at where Damian Lillard could go. By the way, Damian Lillard, betting odds, uh, I would imagine, far away places on this, uh, minus 500 on Lillard to go to Miami, Three to one to go to Brooklyn. I don't see that happening at all. Uh, six or seven to one to Knicks. Nine to one, and then I don't think anyone else. Clippers maybe twelve to one would be the only other thing that I could see. But a all this, both of these situations are a little more complex than I think everyone realizes here, especially the Lillard one, like we said. But the Harden one's equally as complex. It really is. You know, we saw a potential landing spot of Los Angeles. Again, if I am the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, you sit there and say, look, we'll try and find a trade partner. If we don't, you hold on to them. I mean, right now we see at DraftKings, the betting market is the Clippers as a minus $2 favorite, the 76ers plus 320. Doesn't guarantee he's going to end up leaving Philadelphia. He could end up there next season. And again, these trades in the NBA never get equal value for the player that you're generally trading away. You get some draft picks and other things. We saw some of these teams, like I, I didn't understand Toronto willing to give up like Pascal Siakam, Three to four first round potential uh, first round picks over the years. I mean, to me, what is he going to do there if if he gets traded there? He winds up in a much worse tax situation anyway as a player. You know, it's it, on the Harden situation. The odds right now, DraftKings has it up right now. The Clippers, you have to lay two dollars in order for that to be the next team for Harden. Sixers plus three twenty just stays put. 
Knicks six to one. I never understood why that was a thing that was rumored that the Knicks were possibly in the mix here. That just doesn't make sense with the way that they're constructed. Miami seven to one. I don't see that happening. I think it's lower to bust at this point for the Heat. Everyone else is twenty to one or longer. Even though I will say it would be kind of comical if Phoenix found a way to get Harden, even though there's no way in the constraints of the uh, the salary cap they could possibly do that now. If Phoenix gets Harden, we're going to have to start calling them Saudi Arabia. It's like they're limitless on their spending. It's unbelievable. It doesn't even make sense how they're getting these guys. They're going to basically have people off the street playing for league minimums on the rest of this bench here. They've got, uh, what, six, seven contracts, including campaign up to $171 million, $172 million that they've got guaranteed deals on, including Durant, Booker, Bradley Beal, uh, DeAndre Ayton. And, of course, now you bring in Ben uh, Ben Gordon for a two-year uh, – excuse me, Eric Gordon for a two-year deal as well. So it's going to be, to me, very interesting. By the way, here's the other thing. Do, are they going to have anybody else that's going to be able to play down low? Because DeAndre Ayton's already soft as is. Kevin Durant is, likes to stay on the perimeter. So who's going to be the interior p- presence for this team? They they didn't even sign a real big to back up, right, so far. I mean, to bring Landell back, but how much is Jock well, Landell going to be able to help? Landell got paid. Did, did you not? No, I mean. Twi- I mean Twitter was down. Okay. So in fairness, I was on the air Saturday when Twitter was not working. Did, while did this were getting... happen from about four, about noon to four on Saturday? And yeah. Oh, okay. So Jock Landell, he's going to the Rockets four years, thirty-two million. Oh, he did get paid. Okay, so the, <laughs> so forget the Landell thing that I just said. Let's let's just scrap that from the record. Yeah, there was a black period of NBA free agency where no one knows where anyone went or what happened because Twitter did not work at the time. Right, because because so I saw that Tory Craig is gone. I saw that. I know he's now in Chicago. I saw, again, like, Utah Watanabe is not a big guy. He's a, a catch-and-shoot corner guy. He's a breathing human being that yes, fills that out is, the roster. That's that what is he true. Is. But, no, you are not wrong, Amal, where there is a lot of question marks of the way that that roster was going to be. Biombo might still be on the roster. Well, what you call it? Drew Eubanks is there. Whatever you can expect out of Drew Eubanks. So six fouls and eight rebounds. Yeah. So Drew, Drew Eubanks didn't he play at West Virginia? Is uh, that the same guy? Oregon State. No, oh, you're, 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 Oregon you're, State. Sorry, you're, you're, I believe you're confusing him with Devin Eubanks, De- right? Eubanks. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, dude, I don't want anybody from Oregon State <laughs> on my roster unless it's Gary Payton. You know, it's it's. I'm happy you brought Phoenix up because the and we'll we'll talk about this as we go along here in the winners and losers in the next segment, but. The amount of noise that the Lakers have gotten out West for the moves that they've made, where they've made a few, like, I don't think moving the needle moves. Getting Gabe Vincent is nice. It's a good bench piece. Bringing back Hachimura is good. Getting, I know people like to hate on D'Angelo Russell, but that contract at this point is totally fine for a guy like D'Angelo Russell, Dustin. Yeah, and I mean... Gabe Vincent just replaces Dennis Schroeder, and he brings right. a little bit more shooting to the table than Schroeder did. That's the key, is they needed more shooting. So, I mean, I like that Lakers lineup. Remember, the only team they lost to was the eventual champions in the Nuggets. So, look, did the Lakers get better? No, but they kept a lot <laughs> of these younger guys who you can expect maybe a little bit more from next season. Torian Prince is a pro. People like Jackson Hayes still has upside. He's still super young. My favorite of their signing, though, is the Cam Reddish experiment. How many teams in the NBA 
are going to convince themselves they can motivate Cam Reddish to be what he's capable of being. Because this dude goes to teams and just doesn't seem to like practicing is the vibe I get. You you brought up a great word choice right there, which is motivate. A lot of guys sign a contract. They're like, I'm done. See you later. Jock Landau just signs for four years, $32 million. I'm not exactly sure. Was it the six, point, uh, six points per game or the 14 well, minutes point per game that were so intriguing for Houston? So here's the thing is everyone talks about the salary cap. They have to the floor. Everyone forgets about the salary floor. And the Houston Rockets have so many young pieces they've drafted over the last few years. That's why Dylan Brooks got paid. Remember, we were joking on Twitter when it worked that Dylan Brooks was going to be like a, 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 a have to, to sign on a, on a vet minimum because nobody wanted him on their roster and he's getting like $20 million a year. No, I don't disagree with you, but here's the thing. If you don't hit the minimum, the salary cap in the NBA, you just don't get to share in the uh, the revenue sharing for teams that are over the luxury tax. So you don't necessarily pay. My point is, that why give him a four-year deal? Just You could overpay for a year or two. Why give a guy, he's 27 years old, he hasn't shown you much at this stage of his career where it's worth four years. He was great at St. Mary's, though. Well, give him that. Listen, Randy Bennett's teams are always solid. (laughs) Our winners and losers from the first few days of NBA free agency coming up next here on Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in. Sharp Money's the show. I'm Jeff Parles. Maul Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson here as well. But now joining us, he writes for HoopsWire.com, senior NBA writer for them on the tweets at Amico Hoops. It's Sam Amico with us right now. Sam, how you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. Ready for the uh, 4th of July almost. Oh, it's a fun time of year, as we know. And going through what has happened over the weekend, and let's just start with the biggest trade request Damian Lillard, of course, asking out of Portland. He wants Miami. The Heat can't really offer a good package back for him. How do you think this all ends up playing out? Well, you know, it's hard to predict. Um, First of all, I'll say that the Damian Lillard trade request had us forgetting all about the James Harden trade request of a week ago. But, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like they'd be traded for each other. But, you know, I I think ultimately, you know, it's a different situation with Lillard than it was with, say, Bradley Beal or some of these other players, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, because Lillard, you know, has so many years left on his contract uh, that, that he really doesn't have a whole lot of leverage other than to say, you know, if I'm traded to a team other than the Heat, you know, there's no telling what I may, what I might do, what type of effort I'll get. Certainly, he's not going to sit out until he's 36 because that's when this contract ends. So, there's a little bit of a leverage play there from the Blazers that say, you know, we're going to take the best possible deal and not send you where to, you know, where you prefer to go. I think in the end. After that little bit of a power struggle between Damian Lillard's agent and Blazers GM Joe Cronin, I think that they'll probably be able to send him to Miami, a deal centered around Tyler Hero. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure Miami's going to or Portland's going to say, "Give us Caleb Martin too, who had a nice run in the playoffs for you." So you know, Miami's going to have to weigh what they want to do here. Uh, and will a Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo pairing or trio be enough to get them back to the finals? I think there's some things they're going to have to weigh. Sam, how much of an obligation or uh, I don't even know if that's the right word should the Blazers feel about trying to get uh, you know Damian Lillard to a place where he potentially wants to be? To me, I'm actually surprised that this is even a conversation. Look, I would go to him and say, we can trade you, but we're going to go wherever we get the best deal. I don't understand this, like, I want to go where I want to go situation. Yeah, I, I think that's the way of today's NBA, and usually teams are willing to accommodate players, you know. Uh, the interesting thing I will say is that just about everybody, Durant, Kyrie, uh, Bradley Beal, everybody is linked to the Heat. Part of that is because the Heat are aggressive. Part of that is because Pat Riley has an excellent relationship with the national media and the media covering the team and really gets the word out. You know, so he gets he gets a little bit of favoritism, I think, from mainstream media. Uh but if you're the if you're the Portland Trailblazers, you know, yeah, you have to look at it like this is about our franchise moving forward. 
and Damian Lillard is clearly a very valuable piece, and other teams, you know, such as the Celtics, the Clippers, some of these other teams can be in the running for Lillard and have great packages. So I think there's a lot uh, at, at play here. But, yeah, I mean, but right, now Portland, right now Portland is playing hardball and saying, we're trading Damian, selling his agent, to the place that offers us the best package because we don't care what becomes of his career when he's no longer with us. We're trying to beat him. So, you know, if you're Portland, you, you, you can take that stance for now and, and maybe it'll benefit you. And maybe the best deal you get is a deal uh, or offer you get is an offer from the Heat. Sam, I want to go to the other player this weekend who asked for a trade, and that was James Harden opting into the one year last year of that deal and then asking out of Philadelphia. I, you know, it, it's just strange at this point of his career for Harden of what type of package the Sixers can even get back for him. It makes sense that the Clippers would be the one that could give a reasonable package and Harden would be happy with, but I just don't know what you can realistically get back that's even remotely good for Harden for what he is at this point. Yeah, you know, and right now Philadelphia is still trying to, it's still, from everything I've heard, viewing as this is somewhat salvageable. And, you know, maybe that everybody got caught up in feelings a little bit with this situation. Um, I, I don't think that hard. I think Lillard clearly is going to be traded for Portland. I would not say that definite about James Harden right now because Philadelphia, you're already, if you're James Harden, you're already with a contender. You're already going to be getting paid. You already can play uh, on a four-year contract and get a bigger deal next summer. Continue to move on. I just don't think that the market for James Harden is very big right now. The Clippers, he may want to go to the Clippers. I don't know how badly, I'm not getting the sense that the Clippers are dying to get him. So I think that there's, you know, maybe he's upset that they didn't give him the type of deal the Sixers didn't, that he was looking for. But, you know, he does have a close relationship with Daryl Morey, the president of basketball operations in Philly. And I, I, I think that that, we may see James Harden, all this blow over, and James Harden return to the 76ers. I would say that's as good of a chance as him actually being traded, just because, as you mentioned, uh, he's not at the point of the career in his career where a lot of people and a lot of opposing teams are dying to have him. It's just, it's just a kind of a tricky situation uh, for him, and it may, that trickiness may result in him staying with Philly for at least another season. Sam, I love what you said there because I think that's completely accurate. I don't think people are lining up around the corner to go get him. So far in free agency, which team from your perspective has improved themselves enough to be either a contender or put themselves over the top in terms of potentially winning an NBA title that you've seen thus far? Well, you know, I, I really don't know if I would say anybody's made a move to put them in contender status only because the league is so wide open, as we saw this past year with the number eight seed Heat getting to the finals and the Nuggets winning it all. Nobody predicted those two even three weeks before the finals. So right. I think that there's a lot, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for familiarity. 
Um, but I, you know, I like what the Lakers have done. They haven't done anything splashy, uh, and, and they added some depth. You know, I, I, I like what the Cleveland Cavaliers have done. Very low-level moves and re-signing Karis LeVert, picking up Max Struess from the Heat, uh, Nyang from the Sixers, those are, and even Ty Jerome, who's tight with Donovan Mitchell, uh, just getting those pieces in place. You know, those, those are nice deals for them. Uh, beyond that, you know, you look at teams like the Warriors, who added some backcourt help that they desperately needed in Chris Paul and, and, and signed Corey, you know, agreed to Corey Joseph from the Pistons last night. Those are, those are teams that are already pretty good. They didn't make any big, splashy moves, but they're basing on the fact, you know, basing their success on the fact that, yeah, our core is familiar with each other, and we've added help. So I, I do like what they've done. I'll tell you what, I think the Spurs, I've heard the Spurs a lot, and Lillard might be willing to go there if nothing works out with the Heat, could add him. And he'd be, from everything I know, willing to go there. That would be a big move, not necessarily a free agent move, but a big trade uh, to pair him with Victor Wambanyama. And, and, and some of the others, and all of a sudden the Spurs are probably in contention. And I, I like what, you know, frankly, I like what the Sacramento Kings are doing too, um, you know, with with the way they're adding small pieces and parts uh, to a pretty strong core. And, and you know what? One big winner in free agency so far to me is the Indiana Pacers having gotten uh, Bruce Brown from the Nuggets and then trading – not a splashy move, but but making a nice trade for Obi Toppin because they really needed help in the front court uh, alongside Miles Turner. I think he'll be a great fit there. So, you know, there's there's a lot of again. I think we're going to have a lot of parity heading into next NBA season. Sam, in about ninety seconds here, go to the other side of the coin here. Whose off seasons have you not liked so far? Yeah, you know, I, I I'll keep probably need some. It's good that they re uh Lopez, Middleton. But, you know, aside the coach change, he lost in the first round of the playoffs of the Heat after compiling the league's best record. What you know? What have you done to, to improve the roster? Uh, I, I think that's a little bit of a disappointment. It's hard to say a team's going to be a big disappointment uh, when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I, I think they'll still be fine, but it's like, I kind of expected them to make a little bit more of a ripple uh, after that. And, and then, you know, to me, the Dallas Mavericks, yeah, you have Luka and Kyrie coming back. What else have you done to to really improve that unit? You, you're losing Christian Wood. Uh, you're, you know, pretty key big man for them. He's, he's not coming back. What have you done to help improve that and, and, and situation of Dallas? And then the Rockets, you know, Dylan Brooks. And Fred Van Vliet, are you overpaying for those guys? Time will tell. But uh, I, and I think Van Vliet's a fantastic player. Brooks is a really nice guy in terms of, you know, agitating the opponent. But I, th- I think they may have over overpaid for guys who may or may not help them get to the play-in term. He's Sam Amico again. Get him on the tweets at Amico Hoops. Find his work over at HoopsWire.com. Sam, thanks for hopping on with us today. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. We're going to pivot back to baseball. We'll get into that NL Cy Young discussion a little bit further next on Sharp Money. 
This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonus instantly. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. It is Sharp Money here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson alongside. Now joining us, you see him over on ESPN, the, their NBA front office insider. Get him on the tweets at Bobby Marks 42. And it is Bobby Marks with us right now. Bobby, thank you for hopping on with us today. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, dive right in and let's start with the Damian Lillard situation. We know the trade request has been made. Miami is the preferred destination. How do you think this ends up playing out with Lillard and this trade request? Uh, I think if it gets, you know, how it plays out is that if, it, if he does find his way to Miami, it's not going to be a, a two-team deal, um, and it's something that's going to probably expand to, to three or four teams, just because, you know, there's a limitation as far as what Miami can offer in a, in a trade, as far as some draft picks and and players here. And I think if you're Portland, you're looking for, you know, there's only one opportunity to move, you know, the face of your franchise in a trade and try to, you know get as much as you can. Um, I think the big question will be, and this is the unknown, is that what happens if a team, not Miami, uh, comes in with an offer better than Miami, um, would Portland move Damian Lillard to that team and, um, you know, not, you know, a team that he doesn't want to go to. So that's, that's something we'll, we'll see if that, you know, develops in the next, you know, whatever week or two weeks here. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the expectation is that he will be traded. I just don't think if, if Miami was going to make, if, if Portland was going to make a trade with Miami based on what they have, they would have done it Friday or Saturday night. I mean, that's the reality of it. And I think the goal is to try to maybe parlay Tyler Hero into something else. Um, you know, maybe you can get a young player. Maybe you can get multiple draft picks here. But that's, that's kind of where, we're, where we are right now. Bobby, you just brought up a point where you said if Miami's deal is not as good as someone else's, would Portland consider trading him somewhere else? Help me understand, as a guy who's been in the front office for a long time previously, why they're worried about where Damian Lillard winds up or what his thought process is. At the end of the day, to me, they've got to make a move that's in the best interest of the Blazers. No, I, to- I totally agree with you. I think it's it's – you know, of course, you've got to protect the interests of the organization. I think you also have to, you know, certainly for a guy who's been there what twelve or thirteen years. Um, you know, if there if there's you know if the, if their offers are let's say what uh, team X is offering where he he's preferred to go and what team B where he's not going to go and it's maybe a little bit less then maybe you you've kind of you go in the direction of of, of appeasing him. I, I've heard the thing the narrative where well it's going to hurt in free agency. I'm like wait. <laughs> Hurting for agency, I don't think Portland's been a destination for players to, to to come there. So I don't I don't see that there. But yeah, there is. You know, we dealt with it. And when I was in New Jersey in '08, we traded um, we traded Jason Kidd, and you know his preferred destination was Dallas, and then it was the Lakers and uh, I think the Lakers and the Clippers here. And but we wound up getting a pretty good package of, of first round picks and, and, and some young players. Um, so I do think. Just because he wants to go to Miami, you can't settle for a you know a C minus C plus type package. Bobby Marks with us right now here on Sharp Money. Uh, the other trade request uh, made over the weekend: James Harden uh, opting back in and uh, wants to move on from Philadelphia. And Bobby, it's I, I'm just curious your thoughts here with a with an aging star like this. 
What type of package can you realistically get back if you're the Sixers and at least be happy uh, with what the return is? Yeah, I mean, in it, you also have to add in that he's not eligible to sign an extension mm-hmm. with his with the new team because he's not eligible here. I, I think the big question is where is Joel Embiid in all of this? That, that's the big question for me. He's, he's going into year one of this $213 million Supermax extension here. Is he okay with not doing anything with Harden and basically walking into training camp? Is it, are they, is it 2021 again with Ben Simmons? Um, is he content as far as moving him for you know a package of expiring contracts from the Clippers and maybe a future first round pick? Um, you know, it, and it's basically back to 2021 without Ben Simmons, where they were 10 games, um, you know, over 500 before they acquired Harden here. Um, but that's that's the the reality of it. it. It's it's hard for me to see, you know, um, significant like you know it's not Donovan Mitchell, even Rudy Gobert type value that you're going to get a trade for him and. Um, you know, there, there'll be teams out there that are interested, but not interested enough to give up, you know, multiple ones and a, and a, and a you know, a good young player. Bruce Brown is a big loss for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, two things here. Tell me how much of a loss from your perspective is he for the Nuggets? And then two for 45. Is this deal on par with something that Indiana has to kind of overpay because of their market? Or do you think Brown is actually worth that kind of money? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer the second question first. The, the, the league has put in these new rules where you have to spend 90% of the salary cap sure. by the first day of the regular season. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think you saw why Fred Van Vliet got three years at the max. They have Dylan Brooks at four for 80. Um, so there is a requirement there. Um, you know, it's basically back in the day, J.J. Reddick got one of these big balloon-type payments here. Um, and I think that's what – I thought Bruce was in a 12 to $14 million range. I thought that's kind of where, where his number – um, was as far as with Denver, it, it, they're going to re- be reliant heavily on some of their young kids unless they go out and sign some more veterans here, whether it be Christian Brown or Julian Strouder. Um, some of their second round picks, they signed Reggie Jackson here. So he, yeah, losing him definitely takes a hit. Um, I still think they're the favorites. Uh, they should be the favorites in, in the Western Conference here, but that's the rules of this new CBA where, you know, they signed in last year to, you know, the taxman level. Well, now taxman level doesn't become available anymore for some of these, you know, high spending teams. Bobby, just uh, keeping it out West here, Phoenix, obviously a lot of cap restraints uh, are obviously already over the tax after the Bradley Beal trade, but They've made some smaller moves, including getting Eric Gordon on a very team-friendly deal, two years, $8 million. What have you thought of what Phoenix has done through the first few days of free agency? I really liked what they did because it felt like they had a clear path as far as who they wanted to sign. Um, and it was basically kind of take-it-or-leave-it type offer, and we'll move on to the next um, to the next player. Rarely do you see, like, within the thir- first 30 minutes of free agency, like six veteran minimums <laughs> coming off the board, right? You don't, you don't see that there. And I like, because what I liked about it was, you know, certainly Eric's got more, you know, veteran, he's certainly veteran experience here, but they targeted a lot of these younger players, Kata Beta Dieps, um, you know, Damian Lee is back, Drew Eubanks, um, you know, they did a nice job as far as getting some length, um, some, some defenders there. Um, I liked, you know, they had limited means to go, unless they were going to trade eight, they had limited means to how to build out the bench. And um, I, I liked what they were able to do. Bobby, you may not have the list in front of you in terms of guys remaining in free agency. Is there any name that hasn't been signed? Oh, I do. 
Go I, ahead, I please. Do. It's not. It's not. It's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty, guys. It's a lot of these restricted free agents. It's Grant Williams. It's yeah. the T. Stiebel. It's P.J. Washington. Christian Woods, though, who's unrestricted, is out there. And you, the market has squeezed a little bit here. There's really San Antonio's the only one with cap space, and you know, for restricted free agency is brutal because usually the team tells you to go out and get an offer sheet, and you're usually waiting around. And you saw yesterday with Miles Bridges. Uh, that was quick as far as two days into free agency, but. Went out and signed that that qualifying offer with uh, with Charlotte. You, you mentioned Matisse Thybul. I like this guy from a defensive standpoint because I think, in my opinion, one of the things you find difficult in this league is to find guys that are giving you an honest defensive effort every night. I feel like on certain types of teams, he could be a pretty decent piece. Um, tell me what your evaluation of him a little bit is. You may disagree vehemently on him, or somebody else that really intrigues you, just maybe from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I think, you know, if it's not, I think Portland's trying to figure out what happens with Lillard. I wouldn't be surprised if a team comes in and gives him an offer sheet. I think, you know, in that $12 million range, um, I, you know, he's got value in the league because he's a, he's a big wing and he can defend. Um, you know, certainly offense has got its, a little bit of its limitations here, but um, he, I would be surprised when we get to at the end of the week, July 6th or 7th, if he's still, if he's still on the board. Bobby, uh, we got about a minute left here uh, for those rookie, those rookie maximum deals that were signed, uh, including Edwards and Halliburton. Which one of those did you like from, from the team's perspective the best? Yeah, I mean, my colleague Brian Winhorst calls them the fun max, right? Because it's like you know, it's, it's it's the upside max as far as you know, because it's you know they're they're so young and you're betting on um, upside. Anthony Edwards, I like because I think at the end of the day, Minnesota is going to have to build around him not Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Again, uh, earlier today, that coming down with Edwards, five-year rookie max extension deal worth $260 million for the former first overall pick. Again, he's Bobby Marks. Of course, you see him on ESPN as their NBA front office insider. Find him on the tweets at BobbyMarks42. Bobby, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for hopping on with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's always great to catch up with Bobby, of course, the wealth of knowledge that he has with them all. That's what I love as a front office, a person who's been in the front office, they have a different perspective than so many times when you see speculation on trades and other things. Made some great points in terms of what the teams are thinking in some of these decisions. Also, too, see, Matisse Thybul mentioned cashing cashing on the show. I've I've always been a big fan of his. That's why I mentioned it. Great. Very nice college player. Yep. For sure. At UW. All right, coming up next, we're going to football. The three-point stance coming your way next on Sharp Bunny. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, 
and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in. It is Sharp Money here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles. Dustin Swedelson's here. Amal Shaw's here. And now with us, our VSIN betting analyst, still with one of the best Twitter handles there is, even though who knows how much longer Twitter will exist, at Skating Tripods, one of the architects of the NFL betting guide, our guy Adam Burke in studio. Thanks for being with us today. It's good to be here. It's uh, much cooler in here than it is outside, as we were talking about during the break. Yeah, it is scorching if you're not. Well, lots of the country right now, it's very hot. What are we at, about 110, 111 here in Vegas? I think at 109 right now. 109 is what it says. Regardless, hot. It's a little warm. It's a little warm, and it's been warm around Major League Baseball, and, you know, we're seeing a good amount of offense here, you know, with the fact that the temperatures have ticked up, a lot of humidity, high dew points. Uh, it's been a little bit challenging because we've had a lot of games where there's been a chance of thunderstorms, and I don't really like to bet into games where it could be a rain delay because – I'm handicapping the two starting pitchers, and the last thing I want is for those guys to get bounced in the third inning because there's a two-hour rain delay. So that's been part of the challenge of, of Major League Baseball here with the hot weather where the ball should carry better, but you know you don't always know who's going to wind up pitching, who's going to wind up finishing the game. Is that one of those, though, Adam, where let's say there's no weather in the forecast, though, and, and you kind of talked about this with us a little bit yesterday where it was hot weather in Cincinnati, Boosted to a twelve over the over the weekend. Colorado's always going to be a high high in the summer anyway, but you're going to start seeing thirteens out there at Coors Field as the weather gets hotter. How do you handle it now, where these totals start to balloon? But common sense says, all right, weather's warmer, ball's going to fly more. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, I think a couple of the things that you want to consider is, you know, what kind of pitcher are you dealing with from a starting standpoint? Is it a guy that keeps the ball on the ground? Well, the weather shouldn't impact him as much. Is it a guy who allows a lot of fly balls and doesn't have a lot of strikeouts? Does he pitch to a lot of contact? 
and allow aerial contact, that's a guy where the weather is going to be much more of a factor for somebody like that. So you're kind of handicapping the batted ball distribution of the pitcher as well, along with, you know, hey, if you walk guys and you don't have a high strikeout rate and all of a sudden you're going to start giving up all these fly balls, well, doubles and triples are going to score a lot of runners, let alone home runs. So you have to handicap so many things, you know, a little bit differently once you get to the heat of summer as opposed to what you would do in, say, April and early May. By the way, Will Smith in trouble right now for the Rangers on the bump. They went into the top of the ninth with an 11-10 lead. And then they, I didn't see who reached initially. Bregman flew out to center. Abreu with a double. Back-to-back doubles. And then uh, another base hit here. Chaz McCormick with the two-run double, with the RBI double. So 12-11 Houston now. Boy, this <laughs> and uh, let's just be honest. Aroldis Chapman is not enough for this Rangers bullpen. They, no, they need all. to get more before the trade deadline. And frankly, I'd get some more starting pitching depth as well because – Andrew Heaney is not exactly a reliable guy. Nate Yavaldi's been hurt in the second half of the season a few times as well. They really need to be aggressive in adding pitching here. And, you know, today's uh, bullpen meltdown and also the bad start from Perez, another example. Who are some guys that would intrigue you if you're the Texas Rangers? Well, I mean, I think a guy like Aaron Nola would make a ton of sense if the Phillies end up being a seller. I don't think that's going to end up being the case. Um, you know, it's really tough because a lot of the teams that are in positions to sell just don't really have much pitching to move. So that's definitely a problem in, in the situation for the Rangers here. I mean, look, I think a guy like Marcus Stroman would definitely make sense. This is a Rangers team that's really, really good defensively. Stroman probably going to be available, as you guys talked about. You know, the Cubs kind of falling off here a little bit of late. I think they've lost the six of seven or something and, you know, looks like they're on their way to another loss here today. Um the difficult thing is, you know, you've got so many teams on the fringes of the playoff race that feel like they can make a bit of a push. So over the next three weeks or so, I think the trade market will kind of show itself and then we'll have a better idea of who teams like the Rangers can go out there and try to get. So actually, let's let's go to this quote from John Mosellock, uh this week to Katie Wu of The Athletic on basically the Cardinals who they, them, the Mets, the Padres, three biggest disappointments in baseball. We always hear buy or sell. Those are the two. There's also the hold pat, the do nothing route. The fourth is where we, there could be some deals made that can help us now, but can also help us in the future, or maybe more of a reshuffle in some places where we don't feel like we're getting enough playing time for someone. We're not embedded in any of those yet. We'll see where we are at some point and make some decisions. So basically that quote from Jose Locke was covering every single base humanly possible. But really, Adam, the Cardinals are the most interesting case of everybody here. Because the Padres with that positive run differential and the way their pitching has been probably will convince themselves they're still in it until they're not. The Mets, it's a lot of blow to contracts that would have to get traded that would need the Mets be willing to trade them and take lesser pieces back unless if they're going to carry a lot of the money. That leaves St. Louis as the most intriguing, non-expected potential seller here where Adam, with the way that pitching has been this year, I'm not even sure which guys would be the right guys to go after at this point. Well, San Diego's in a weird spot because you do have Juan Soto for another year. He's got a fourth year of arbitration because he was a super two guy. So you have another contract year for him where certainly if you're the Padres, you expect to be better next year. But Blake Snell and Josh Hader are two guys that are impending free agents. And Snell is pitching as well as I've ever seen him pitch. Four straight double-digit strikeout games. He's got an ERA under one over his last seven starts. If they decide to be a seller, then Snell would definitely be a top name on the market. But as far as the Cardinals go, 
I'm a huge Jordan Montgomery fan. He's an impending free agent. I think that's a guy that the Rangers should absolutely target or any other team kind of in that mix. Um, Jack Flaherty is also a free agent for them. I don't think that they want to give him any sort of long-term commitment. So that's a guy that could be attractive in the trade market. Adam Wainwright is a free agent, but he's pitching so bad, and he's just kind of a legacy player for the Cardinals, and I don't see them doing that. So really, to me, I think the two guys they could move are Flaherty and Montgomery, and this is an organization that right now doesn't have a whole lot of starting pitching depth. If they did, they'd probably have used it already. So that's going to be an interesting thing for them, where if they move Montgomery and or Flaherty, the rest of the season looks pretty bad for them. So you start thinking about like second half adjusted win totals, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. There may be some opportunities to look to fade the Cardinals here. They can't move a whole lot of offensive pieces just because of the contracts that they're signed to. But I, I do think guys like Montgomery and Flaherty would go. And if I'm the Rangers, Jordan Montgomery is a pretty prominent piece I'd be looking to trade for. I, I would agree with you, though. That'd be a great acquisition for this team. Still a long way to go. You mentioned I like Flaherty probably more than a lot of people do. I think he's still got some good upside. Former first-round pick out of Harvard-Westlake uh, in the Los Angeles area. But right now, it's been struggle. It's been a struggle for him, Adam, and it's been inconsistencies. If you're St. Louis, do you look at you still have a chance because this division is so bad, or do you just sit there and say, hey, let's just kind of gear towards 2024? I think you have to look at it in the sense that because of the offense that you have and because of the offense that you have coming back, if you can get some young pitching with some upside for expiring contracts, that's the move that I would make. I'm not saying that you have to punt on 2023, but it's still going to take a lot for you to actually come back and really get into this race, even though this division is quite bad. I would start looking at it as, you know what? Let's try to revamp our rotation for 2024. You know, we get some different guys in here and we go with what's probably still the best offense in this division heading into next season. That's even with a guy like at Christian Encarnacion strand on the ball club for the reds, along with all the other guys they've called up. So that's what I would do. If I was St. Louis, I would just look at it and say, you know what? We bring back a great offense next year. Let's get younger on the pitching side. And let's also isolate who we want to sign in free agency, because that is a team. that's not afraid to spend money in the free agent market. Adam, what do you think these AL Central teams are going to do other than the Royals who get are currently relegated. out of it? Just well, get relegated to AAA. Just, just send relegated. them all down. But, I mean, I, the White Sox are terrible. Legitimately yes. bad baseball team. The Tigers, a bad baseball team. They're both one good week away from being two games out of the division here, mm-hmm. especially with the Guardians playing the Braves this week. Right. So that's probably a series that won't go well for Cleveland. But, I mean... How do you handle that if a team teams that are clearly bad but are still alive because they play in a horrible division? Well, I think what's going to be really interesting is to see how the Twins handle this trade deadline because they wound up giving up a ton for Tyler Malley, and it didn't work out because now he's hurt. Encarnacion Strand was part of that deal with the Reds. Uh, Spencer Steer was as well. So that was a really bad trade by them last year. And, of course, they wound up collapsing in September anyway. Didn't even make the playoffs. So I wonder if they'll be a little bit gun shy to trade some of their prospects. Understandably so, because their major league roster is just not really getting it done right now. There is a lot of pressure on that organization to win a playoff series. It's been a very, very long time. It's been over 20 years since they've done that. It's They've won one playoff game, I think, in that span, actually. So a lot of pressure on them. Cleveland has a really, really deep minor league system. The question is, how aggressive will they be in going out there and trying to pursue talent? The other thing is, they never get rental players. They did it a couple years ago, getting a guy like Jay Bruce, but for the most part, they don't get rental players. So they could be an interesting pairing with one of these teams that 
has some controlled guys, but has some weaknesses. Something like what we've seen with Miami, where you know they got Jazz Chisholm in the Zach Gallen deal. Uh, they've made some other deals as well. So I don't know. I think Cleveland has a better chance at getting better just because of the trade currency that they have. But the problem for them is their bullpen was supposed to be a strength coming into the year, and it really hasn't been. So that's the biggest thing they need is this bullpen to get it figured out because that's what will give them a chance when their offense is bad and they have to win 3-2, to 4-2, to two, stuff like that. Is there any team right now in baseball that looks like a clear-cut team that could win a title to you outside of Atlanta? Because it, to me, everybody else is in play at this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's pretty easy to look at Tampa Bay, who has the most wins in Major League Baseball, and say they are. But, you know, Shane McClanahan's kind of dealing with some stuff, it feels like. Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen are both out. Um, Tampa Bay has some problems. I think Texas has problems, too, which, you know, we kind of saw here today. I, I would say, I mean, outside of Atlanta, I, I wouldn't be super confident in anybody. Pretty wide open mess of things after Atlanta anyway. Braves right now plus three forty to win it all. Rays actually backed up the plus four seventy five. Dodgers plus six fifty. The Astros are an out away from escaping with that series win and the win today in Arlington. They just have to get by Heim to end things in the bottom of the ninth. Adam's going to stick around. We'll have a little more baseball to talk about, and also too. Again, Adam was one of the architects of our NFL betting guide. We'll discuss some NFL as well here on Sharp Money on VSIT. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.